You are listening to a special Ukraine Watch edition of European Values podcast. This episode was created within the frame of the Information Defense Hub with the support of the European Cultural Foundation. It's my great pleasure again to welcome you at the next EVC podcast that we are recording with our Ukrainian experts. Uh, my name is David Stulik, I'm a senior analyst at the European Values Center and today we have Kristina Rybachok, our uh, Ukrainian colleague and expert uh, who is focusing quite uh, intensively on the issues of reconstruction and reconstruction will be our topic for today. So it's my pleasure to have you here physically in Prague, Kristina. Nice to, nice to have this podcast together with you and um, looking forward to it and very nice uh, to join EVC team um, for the reconstruction. I became a part of the team quite recently and very happy about it. Uh, so the first question would be why do we need to speak and uh, think about post-war reconstruction of Ukraine? Isn't it still too premature because the war is ongoing? Um, I was expecting uh, this question. Uh, I listened to a podcast um, by Vladimir Yermolenko, whom you know, uh, and Timothy Snyder. Uh, and they were discussing um, the war in Ukraine and uh, the issue of reconstruction was there just, uh, just in a few words. And Timothy Snyder said that, we, that reconstruction should be a part of our definition of victory. He said that uh, we cannot define victory as the absence of uh, something, as the absence of Russians. We have to define victory in the positive terms. So um, better cities, uh, more uh, freedom, uh, more economic development, reconstructed Ukraine should be this, within this definition of, um, of uh, our victory and that, that we should aim for. Uh, also, I think that uh, reconstruction should be, um, these discussions about reconstruction now are not premature, they are very timely because it, it gives us an opportunity to build trust uh, between Ukraine, Ukrainian government, Ukrainian government, civil society and Ukrainian government and international partners uh, in different different countries. And we should use this opportunity at the time when the world is still uh, interested in Ukraine, because we don't know what will be in, in some time, we should use this opportunity to build this framework, how this reconstruction should look like before we finish the war. Because if we start thinking about it the first day after the victory, it will be too late. It will take too much time for us to plan it and we should do it beforehand. I know that you just returned from Kiev, so are the people there already thinking about this uh, post-war reconstruction? Uh, what are the, let's say, latest news? What is the latest development in, in that area, in, in Ukraine, in Kiev? I think that uh, for, for a while there, there were talks about reconstruction, but uh, they were not um, talks about particular things. They were more like abstract uh, things. But uh, right now, after we have uh, this World Bank report on rapid, rapid uh, damages and needs assessment of Ukraine, the Kiev School of Economic Assessments, when we have, um, when we have talks, uh, we already had the Lugano conference, we're going to have the October 
conference in Berlin in uh, about reconstruction. I think uh, these talks are intensifying and um, uh, in September the, uh, the office of the president gathered uh, international partners to discuss about the Ukraine recovery fund. Uh, also the, um, the coalition between civil society organizations uh, be, um, headed by the BRDO as well as Ministry of Infrastructure who will be the head in this process they and the Ministry of Digital Transformation they are developing the digital platform for reconstruction um, that is probably supposed to be uh, or planned to be like a next Prozoro uh, this new recovery platform that will uh, enhance all these uh, stages of reconstruction starting from um, collecting the needs and damages to uh, appraisal of the projects uh, and um, reconstruction and uh, now they are talking more about transparency of this process and I think this yeah. coalition we'll speak about transparency later on but you mentioned that this platform will also cover the needs and the kind of a mapping of damages so what will be the major needs for Ukraine do we already know now what these, let's say, future funds uh, should be allocated to? What will be the biggest problem with reconstruction? I think the, mm, the needs and problems will be many. <laughs> uh, for sure, there will be huge needs. Uh, and I think what we can count on uh, right now are these um, damages um, assessments posed by World Bank and the Kiev School of Economics. I think, first of all, we should uh, count on the uh, World Bank uh, assessment because it is international. They have their, their, um, they have their uh, framework and methodology of assessment and it's more objective, let's say. And, and can you maybe just specify what were the major, I don't know, figures or major topics mentioned in that uh, World Bank report? Yeah, uh, so there... Um, so the, the figures, uh, they said that the direct damages are as of 1st of June, it is important to uh, note this. Um, the total damages are something like around 100 uh, billion dollars, uh, 97 billion to be precise. But the needs for reconstruction are around 350 billion dollars. Um, and uh, Regarding the needs, uh, first of all, they said that transport um, infrastructure, it requires the biggest amount of uh, funding. Uh, then there will be the, um, it, it's around seven, seven something, uh, 770 something billion. Uh, the next is uh, the mining. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, then there is housing. And, um, and of course, housing will be the really big need because, because of the urgency of, of this issue. And uh, it is, it is, and all these three sums are like a bit similar, transport being on the first mm. place. But we are speaking about that figure 350 billion, billion dollars. As of 1st of July. As of 1st of June. As of 1st of June. So in the meantime, we had like three more months of ongoing yeah. fighting, missiles, shelling, and yeah. Ukrainian army liberating uh, the area around Kharkiv. So that means that the figure... 
Would yeah, it is higher. definitely higher already, and um, I think the KIS, the KSC, the uh, Kiev School of Economic Assessment, it's um, more updated. But um, but uh, the World Bank said that they will continue the assessment; uh, it will be ongoing. So a bit later, they will provide their their sum. But uh, in the meantime, the KSC is uh, doing the same. Uh, and they are actually using similar maybe the same methodology as the World Bank to assess this. So basically, uh, the final bill might be closer to one trillion of dollars. Yeah, actually, what the OECD, they, they have made the assessment of the, um, of the economic uh, losses of, um, that uh, the world will bear because of this war, and it's already 2.5 uh, trillion of dollars for the world economy. Um, not not just Ukraine, but um, we'll come back to the uh, figures. I mean, uh, to the funding of this reconstruction process. But uh, let me then ask you about the housing. You mentioned that housing is one of the priorities, and the winter now is coming. So, uh, what what is let's say latest development? What are the latest plans to provide housing for those people who are at the liberated territories? or whose houses were destroyed by Russian missiles? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's a very good question and there is a big, big challenge about it. Uh, and uh, I know that um, the government announced early in June, I guess, that um, at least half of this um, uh, housing uh, that was uh, destroyed will be uh, rebuilt for the start of the winter season. But uh, we can see right now that uh, this process is lagging behind, and there are um, and what we can see, for example, in the Kiev region, in Kiev's oblast, uh, is that that this process is lagging behind and uh, it needs to to be speed up. Uh, in the meantime, there are uh, these temporary housing houses that are built, these modular houses, and the international partners are trying to help about this and uh, there is the Ministry of uh, Communities and Territories Development that is sort of coordinating this process but um, but this of course is not um, the it, it is just a temporary solution and of course uh, this uh, means that um, that many people will still go to the west will still uh, go to Europe seeking for for shelter and uh, housing, um, life, at least temporary solutions there. So you would expect uh, another wave of Ukrainian citizens leaving Ukraine before or during winter time? Is that right? It is. It is possible because, um, yeah, because um, we don't know how quickly the, mm, there will be liberation and. Um, and I will also say that we don't know how Russians will behave uh, yeah. before winter, whether they won't start targeting civilian yeah, infrastructure. Uh, critical infrastructure there. Power stations, thermal stations, heating stations. Yeah, there is a big um, Drinking problem. water, uh, reservoirs and so on and so forth, right. But okay, let's come back to that kind of a long-term reconstruction. And uh, you already mentioned transparency. And it's not a secret that many foreign donors are afraid of uh, transparency about the misuse of these funds. 
and about possible corruption uh, in implementing many of these reconstruction pro projects. So what is your, let's say, assessment of that problem? Is it a real, uh, an issue? And if it is an issue, how it could be overcome? Um, I think it is not true to say that there is no issue with corruption because if we look at this uh, at the rankings of Ukraine in the corruption indexes, it has never been so uh, bright picture. And uh, despite that Ukraine is trying hard uh, to um, to become a transparent country like the um, the countries in the EU, it's still a way to go. And I think it is very important for our government and for our society to recognize this and say that the, uh, that we have something to improve. I think it would be a very good signal uh, for the West. And I think this um, time that we have for um, uh, before the war will finish, it is very important to build this trust and to show that, not just to show, but really to become more transparent uh, country. And for example, uh, to implement these seven requirements that the EU um, made for Ukraine on the way to um, become the EU member. Uh, I think um, this is a homework that Ukraine should do. And also, I think if um, we have, I think Ukraine all has all the opportunities to build a transparent system for monitoring, um, control, transparency of these funds and the damages that are uh, being made. And I think Ukraine, to be honest, I think Ukraine can do it better than the EU. First of all, it can do it faster. And secondly, it can do it with the understanding of uh, Ukraine's needs. Specificity. Yeah. I also, yeah, I also know that you have a strong uh, supporter and promoter of the principle of uh, public participation or civic participation in this process. Why? Why is it so important? Uh, I think that um, it is because it is the way Ukraine is um, is built. Ukraine, Ukraine is made. I think uh, Ukraine is all about public participation, and Ukraine is all about civil society, because uh, all these all the revolutions that we had, and all these um, achievements in democracy, and why uh, the world is impressed by Ukraine, is because we have a vibrant civil society. Because we have a civil society that wants to be a part of this process, not just to see it, but to shape it, to work on it. And I think it's um, both, bec uh, it, it is first of all because of building trust between the government and the society, civil society, and also in order to make this process uh, better, to have more voices there. Um, it might come at the expense of uh, of the time, uh, but uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that the Ukraine can do it effective enough uh, and hear the voices of people. I, I have hopes for it, and I think um, in order to build the country of our dream, we have to have a um, participatory democracy. And I think it's all about Ukraine from from the Cossack times, let's say, to have a participatory democracy and to have um, uh, to have citizens heard. 
It sounds all very convincing and it's very much needed, but uh, the reality is not always so, let's say, rosy and optimistic. Uh, so what are the major risks of that uh, reconstruction? Because we know other negative examples like the post-war reconstruction of Afghanistan, post-war reconstruction of Iraq, and we know what is now happening in these countries. So what are the risks in Ukraine? What could go wrong? Yeah, just to, to follow up on, the, on what you said uh, about public participation, mm -hmm. it can be another way. We can build a country like Russia, where people are not interested, uh, where people are not a part of the process. And I have a question, would, would we want to build a country like this? Uh, and then coming back to the risks, um, I think uh, first and foremost it is uh, transparency and corruption and mm -hmm. uh, possible misuse of this uh, funding. That's why we need transparency. That's why we need public participation. Um, second, uh, also, I think what is important is capacity. Capacity on the local level, capacity in the government, um, and um, all these processes about how, how to build this process in an effective way, because we know that um, many people have left. Uh, there will be a problem with the brain drain and European countries want to keep those people. But at the same time, we need to rebuild the country and we need people to come back. And we need more people to take responsibility for local governments um, and for, um, for, for the reconstruction of Ukraine. Um, other issues uh, I think this that are important, I think, is the coordination of these processes. Mm -hmm. And there is um, at what level at or different, at what all, at all the levels, at all the levels, uh, taking into consideration that, um, yeah, that it, it looks like everybody wants to to be the leader of this process, but at the end of the day, <laughs> there is nobody to take responsibility. Uh, I think it is it would be a very big puzzle for the Ukrainian government, for the EU, for. Uh, for other for governments like the United States, Japan, G7 to find the common ground, mm -hmm. how, how who will be responsible for what, who will do what, and um, how they will um, they will be able to agree uh, among themselves. Um, I think, um, yeah, I, I never. I always say this. I think that it is important, uh, and there will be a big risk that. Um, that if we want to rebuild the economy and we want to have uh, the economic miracle in Ukraine, we don't want to do it at the expense of our environment mm -hmm. and at the expense of environmental degradation. So it would be very important to keep the environmental assessments, uh, the strategic impact, environmental impact assessments, and make sure that uh, we don't damage uh, the environment and that Ukraine will be uh, a good place to live for for the next generations. Um, so, yeah, this, I think this, these are the risks, but yeah. But you haven't mentioned the biggest risk, which is the lack of funding. The so lack of funding. Let's come back to funding, where that funding should come from. This, yeah, this is, of course, the biggest, this is like an elephant in the yes. room. <laughs> we are speaking about huge amounts, yeah, right? Yeah, I uh, think, I think that... mentioned even up to two trillions of dollars and... Yeah, it is about the, the world oh. economy worldwide. OECD yeah, um, report. Yeah, I think this lack of funding is like an elephant in the room. <laughs> and uh, it, 
it looks like the countries express that they want to fund reconstruction, but at the end of the day, they all have their own problems with their own citizens, uh, they, their preparedness for the winter, lack of energy, energy crisis, and um, their political gains in their own countries. Uh, I think it would be important for Ukraine to, to secure as much funding as possible. Uh, but at the same time to try to count on more sustainable own um, Ukra Ukrainian sources and try to um, to secure the first amounts of funding that is coming to the development of the economy. But, but, but for own funding coming from Ukraine budget will be extremely difficult if not even impossible because you've lost up to 30% of the GDP and out of that amount 18% goes to the army. So far there are, you know, it will be very, very challenging to find funding for the reconstruction from Ukrainian sources. Yeah, I think we can do that because um, I hope, I already see that uh, that some investments are already coming to Ukraine. Like you mean like private investments? Actually, uh, the Horizon, Horizon Capital recently mm -hmm. raised uh, $125 million for Ukraine. Of private funding? It's, no, it's not a public? It's, right? uh, it has a mixture uh -huh. of, uh, it is the IFC funding, it's the EBRD funding, and it's, it also has private, private funding. But, um, for example, the World Bank is starting the pilot project on um, securing this military risks and uh, providing this military insurance uh, by, Ming, uh, by MIGA. It will be the by first what? MIGA, this, um, this agency of the World Bank. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, they, it will be the first pilot project on 30 million, but they say that if this project goes well and if, um, if it brings result, they, they might think about uh, bigger uh, amounts of funds and they said they spoke even about the billion of dollars of uh, because I think for for the of course for the foreign direct investments private investments to come to Ukraine they would the first thing they would ask what insurance are you providing for against the military risks so um, that is important and yeah I I believe that the Ukrainian nation is very entrepreneurial and and that we will, yeah, that we will try to, to, to work the best to, to make sure that the reconstruction is possible and that we rebuild our economy. When I see your determination, I'm just thinking about all the Ukrainians. Are they also so determined to, you know, have such a country after the war is over? And are they ready to contribute to this reconstruction process? You know, I, when I was in Kiev, I had um, a few meetings with Ukrainian people um, asking what they are doing. Um, I was at YES conference, I, I was at PGA networking, and everybody, like literally everybody is uh, doing something, either helping the army or serving in the army, or um, they are developing business and uh, contributing, or they are already doing the reconstruction um, like uh, talking like uh, cooperating with international partners um, 
I have a friend who is um, coordinating the process of reconstruction with Denmark and he's trying to build um, to, uh, to make sure that Denmark supports um, preparedness of Mykolaiv to the winter season and then thinking ahead of this more long-term reconstruction. I think that everybody, wherever they are, all Ukrainians are motivated to to build a better Ukraine. Would it be then a correct statement to say that uh, thinking about these future issues is part of your survival strategy as a country, as a nation, as a society? Yeah, yeah, it's it's very true that um, yeah that we we were put in in the situation that we will either <laughs> die or we will survive and uh, get better. Because yeah, I think that it would be important then that we don't just win in this war, but that we manage to build better country and of course with the help of uh, of our partners and of course finding something that would be beneficial for for Czech Republic, for example, or for the EU. <laughs> So, right, so let me just wish you that all that positive energy mood stay with you also in the future and that uh, when we meet after two, three, four years, uh, the reconstruction will be already ongoing and will be progressing so well. And I also want to express my sincere hope that people like you will be very active and will be somehow managing these processes because that's also quite important to have people like you in that process so that was our next uh, ukrainian podcast uh, today we had kristina ribachok uh, our colleague and expert uh, who is now specializing on issues of reconstruction and uh, let me thank you for your attention thank you so this was our next podcast that we are recording with our Ukrainian experts. And let me just remind you that you can follow us on social media like Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. And above all, we are also producing uh, newsletters that cover in detail the situation in and around Ukraine. So you can all find it on our website.